almost all of the author that I found uh, being there successful and so on are people that uh, are uh, extremely hardworking and, uh, and they have something to say. Welcome to Best in Fest. I'm Leslie Lapage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival. And this is a podcast for everyone who wants to learn more about making t- uh, content for TV and film and learning the dirty little secrets that uh, make Hollywood tick. Uh, today, I am very pleased to have on the show Eleonora Granata Jenkinson from Melograno Filma. And she is an amazing woman, so I'm very pleased to have her on. She um, was a, still is a producer. She's a film festival programmer, international PR, marketing, and distribution consultant. She was vice president and head of film co-productions and acquisitions uh, in the division at Turner Pictures, senior vice president at Pandora Films. She began her career at RCS Films and Television in Italy. Uh, as a uh, program advisor for the Banali del Cinema di Venezia, which is the uh, Venice Film Festival, senior programmer at the Miami International uh, Film Festival. She was the director of the Kiev International Film Festival in the Ukraine, directed uh, the Eurasia Film Festival in Katsitsan. Uh, acquisitions consultant. She was responsible for world acquisitions and co-productions for MGM, United Artists, um, and was um, under supervision of Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner over there. She then formed her own uh, company, which is the um, Malagro Films in uh, in Italy and in the U.S. And welcome. You've done everything. Well, then you understand I'm really old, so I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> that that's okay. From one from one from one old girl to another old girl, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's seasoned wine. Um, but let's really, I think, start off because you're so dynamic and you're so diverse. Um, how did you get your start uh, moving into the uh, studio world? How did that manifest from your experience as an international PR and marketing and distribution consultant and and then your work um, as a vice president and head of film and co-productions and acquisitions at Turner? Um, it's a long story, but the short thing is that uh, I was not meant to be in the film business as most of us just sort of stumble into it. I started my career in Sydney. I was working for the Italian consulate there in the cultural division, and I decided that that was super boring. Um, I wish I didn't thought that because it was a very safe career. And uh, I organized the first uh, um, group of uh, Australian new wave films to come to Italy, and vice versa, the first big new wave of Italian filmmakers to come to Australia and tour Australia. So when I brought uh, the film, I put together with the Australian Film Commission was at that time a group of film that comprehended uh, the first, uh, you know, made-for-TV shorts of Jane Campion, uh, the first uh, Peter Jackson film, uh, the Philip Noyes, and all those people that they were like a Bruce Beresford and so on. And uh, I brought them to, uh, we premiered it in Taormina Film Festival, and then we went uh, 
all over Italy, and then we segue in Europe uh, with other stop, and that was the Australian Film Commission doing that. Uh, so I selected all this film, and I also wrote a book about the new wave of Australian filmmakers uh, published in Italy. And uh, and then I decided that there were no, you know, nobody was buying or selling this kind of film, and I decided to, you know, to look for distribution for them. And it was so rewarding and so much fun, and going around with this phenomenal director. And I said, this is what I want to do. Who cares about uh, being, uh, you know, first I wanted to save the world and uh, go to the UN and so on. And then I, and, and I loved what I did, but you know, I say film business is a lot more. So I started as, uh, uh, with my experience in uh, business uh, um, and uh, legal acquisition, I was recruited by RCS, which is a major conglomerate in Italy, a publishing group. And start to buy right for them. They they founded uh, and they launched the um, the division, the film division. So I started there, and uh, seven years later, and I was in charge of acquisition and co-production. I bought in excess of you know few catalog like the Pate Library, uh, the Vestron catalog, you know like uh, in excess to thousands of film. Uh, but I always wanted to be on the other side because I also bought uh, book rights because I'm a big, uh, you know, I devour books and this is, um, you know, so that's how, you know, I stumbled into it. And then RCS sent me here in Los Angeles to open their production, television and film. We had deal with NBC. We had uh, uh, agreement at that time with, uh, um, you know, Carolco. We were doing uh, um, an agreement with uh, Scott Free. So I was involved in all this mega deal, and it was so much fun. And then uh, when they decide that publishing is so much safer than making film, and they went back to Italy, I resigned because I was recruited by Turner, which was one of our uh, output deal. I put together output deal of any kind with, uh, at that time, was propaganda, and then it became anonymous content and many other authors that I had the pleasure to work at the very, very, very beginning. I was very lucky. And across the world, because, you know, I was going to, I was very curious always. That's why I was in Sydney and I was doing, let's call that kind of career before the film business, because I love people and I love their story. And I try to, you know, be in contact and go in and experience. Uh, I travel a lot uh, before and after and always. So that's the long story short. <clears throat> I I love the long story short. I mean, just that in itself is an amazing journey that you've had, um, which actually ended you up uh, taking on and programming international film festivals and then being the director of a few of these. Um, how did you bring your experience on acquisitions to the film festival um Circuit. Well, um, I, you know, because I programmed that TV, that, that film series, and then other film series, it was only natural. I was asked to represent uh, uh, the Locarno Film Festival in the United States, and I did it for three years. And uh, because it's always been like a separate, a parallel career, I was doing that in addition to acquisition. Why? Because it's beneficial to both. You know, as acquisition, you read script. Uh, as uh, you know, uh, an executive in festival, you have the chance to see the first uh, you know attempt to enter into this world. And at that time, there was no, of course, there was no internet. There was no way to send the film other than on you know VCR first and DVD later, and then 
later on with Link. At that time, there was not this thing. So you would go to festival, you would select and so on. So I say I want to be on the other side because it's really important for me to discover what happened to that script before it goes to the market. So it's a dirty little secret. The festival <laughs> programmers, sometimes and many times, they also work in a other dimension because... Uh, and also because, you know, as you very know well, very, very well, there's not much of a compensation working for festival and once doesn't do it for that. You do it for the passion of films. Yeah. Right. That's true. That's true. Especially when you're going through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these, you have to have the passion to look through it all. And then you find a gem and you find a diamond where you're going, oh my gosh, this was worth the 150 you just viewed that were not, you know? Um, uh, but even in your first go-around of programming and finding these Australian filmmakers like Jane Campion, um, what was it like um, really being the first to mantle that really dynamite select group into what was and is the, the U.S. market at that time? Um I was buying and I was dealing with the mostly European market, you know, and that's why, you know, like uh, I saw the first uh, Lars von Trier's before, you know, ever, ever. Ten years later, I see Bingham Ray discover, and I say, what? I bought it like ten years ago for Italy, France, and Spain, and we did very well. So it's just like um, America uh, and the United States, they came much, much later to recognize and to look into the international market. Um, at that time, when I saw the first film of, uh, and I bought the first Peter Jackson, uh, Bad Taste, um, you didn't know that he would become such a guy. I also bought the first film of uh, Guillermo del Toro. And uh, there I was blown away because I was seeing his, uh, you know, uh, storybook. And I said, this guy's a genius. He has a word inside of his mind. And he's like, a... and so you feel excited, but you don't know that they're going to become big. You don't know that Jane Campion was becoming. Then I bought all his film, all her films, excuse me. Uh, but at, when, I, when I saw the three short, I still remember the name was Peel, my own story and another one. I say, my God, she has such an incredible take. And also... The, the, the way that she moved the camera was so innovative, was so crazy new. And then, you know, of course, I met her in Sydney and uh, we talked and we became like kind of, you know, uh, in knowing each other a bit because I had all this interview done for, for, for the book, The New Wave of Australian Film. So it was just like um, you discovered these people, you got the gut feeling. There's no commercial sense at that point because they are no one at that point they were just like uh, you know very and I've been very fortunate you know I I, I bought film like uh, you know the first John Woo from Shining Princess I was in Hong Kong and I bought that and he was like completely unknown and people say who is this guy and I was like no we gotta buy it you know and I had the real fortune of people believing me and believing in my taste and so I was very, very lucky. And, uh, and, and it was such a fun and, and, and joyful thing to discover that these people, they actually were validated through the world and then became, you know, gigantic. And it was really great. Um, that's, that, that in itself is, is an amazing kind of uh, a journey. When you were championing these, did you, being 
one of the few women, you know, in that organization of a certain level, did you find it challenging? Um, were, did you have to fight harder for your voice to be heard? Um, well, you know, in Italy, it's a very different landscape now. But at that time, I was the only executive in my company. And and uh, I don't know, I was such a crazy anarchist that it was either my way or no way that uh, people were like... <laughs> I, when I talked to my colleague, because... I had this thing like uh, whatever job I did, I kept in touch with my colleague and we still see each other. We love each other and so on. They were scared of, you know, because I was just like, you know, taking operas. So I don't know. I had, um, I was very lucky. I find an environment uh, which was, uh, um, you know, like they were looking at me like a strange beast because there were no, <laughs> and I don't know why they believe in me because, I don't know. I was very convincing. And I was like, either you take this film or I'm going to die. You know, it's like I had to put all myself, but that's the way I am. So it was not different than. And I remember my father said to me, they're going to kick you out. I mean, are you out of your mind? Why are you doing this? What do you care? You got your salary. I said, but that's the only reason for doing this job is to really try to make a difference and yes it was very difficult but not within my company it was very difficult when I was going abroad and I was like uh, you know I had to always have like in certain place we were going with my colleague which I adore we're still very good friends and they were always talking to the other before they talking to me and it was just like uh, really really painful and uh, and not to look uh, in certain place, not to look at people in the eyes. And, you know, the whole this thing that you had to know and you knew it in order to survive and be heard. And uh, it was definitely not easy. I'm talking about 25, even 30 years ago. So it wasn't such a easy peasy. And uh, but again, you know, I, I, I was very lucky in my life. I had my share of like really horrible episode that I want, you know, uh, it's not this is the place to say, but it was never within my environment. It was always when I was striking out and trying to make deal and be, you know, second guess. I so said, who the hell, she, you know, doesn't matter if you are a lawyer, doesn't matter if you have this experience, doesn't matter, you're still a woman. And so you had to really be super diligent about, uh, you know, what you were doing, how you were doing it. And I'm very glad it's not like that anymore at least in part. In in part. I mean, I, I still think that women working their way up through the ranks in entertainment, we have to do it better than the men. We have to have more skill base than the men because we're just, we're scrutinized more than the men. So we have to be better. Um, and we are naturally multitaskers. So, you know, we're able to juggle more than, than the men um, for the most part who aren't really trained in multitasking. But um, in 2009, you also um, was a director for the Eurasia Film Festival in Katsitsan. Uh, how did that come about for you? And, and, and where did you really find, um, pull the film festival together uh, at that time, which in 2019 was kind of challenging, I think, in that area? was very challenging and uh, you know I have like um, a whole other division of the thing that I do which uh, um, it is uh, to work with film commissions 
And uh, I was like, uh, for all my, you know, uh, career in the last, uh, since the conception, actually, I've been consulting with the Italian Film Commission. And then I founded the, the Russian Film Commission in the United States, um, which I abandoned. Um, there was like the commissioner for them. I created and ran. And then I abandoned it uh, three years later when way before the time of, uh, you know, Trump came to the world and I wanted to, and, and the thing, they start to get uh, really in certain way in, in Russia because there was a moment where uh, at least for film and for creative people was possible to imagine um, a real opening and a real possibility. So I create this uh, properly to give voice to those filmmakers that they are not in the circuit of Putin, they are not part of the gang of St. Petersburg, and I wanted to bring women uh, director from, uh, from Russia and to be able to go to, uh, to come to L.A., and to meet with people and to have relations with filmmakers coming into, you know, um, internship rather than uh, uh, residency. I had uh, formed this relation with the Sundance Institute uh, to bring uh, to their attention the uh, Russian filmmakers and so on. So I always work with, uh, you know, um, film commission and so on. So I abandoned Russian and see, I still had so many relations with filmmakers and with producers. And there are many and super talented who deserve to have their voice. Now it's a whole different world and I don't even want to go there. But at that time there was like this... Um, I felt that there was, uh, I, I, I love Russian literature, like I grew up with that. I, I, I've been many times in Russia before when I was living in Italy, I was do, dealing with that. So I thought it was like the time for open up, for not the usual five suspects, that they always go to festival, that they have their attention. But there are like thousands of other incredible talent and super smart people and women who never go anywhere, you know. So I, 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 I did it for that and then I, and, and then I, rapidly left when the things start to take a very different and very darker uh, connotation. And so through the relation with filmmaker uh, from Russia and from the area, I came across uh, uh, some a filmmaker and producer from Kazakhstan. I uh, produced one of the films in Kazakhstan that was later. And so they asked me to uh, be the director of Eurasia, which is a fantastic festival, which is under a species of uh, UNESCO. And is, uh, I was on the 18 or 19 year of the festival. And it was a great uh, uh, honor to be able to program. The festival was like incredible. We had like, a, I booked a um, you know, film that then before Cannes and then they went to Cannes and won. And so it was like, again, a very much a satisfaction um, to, to be able to work in that world and with my relation. And I end up then uh, producing, uh, helping to produce, because I'm a creative producer, of the first film ever in Kazakhstan who talk about uh, the genocide of the Kazakh people under, the, uh, under uh, Stalin and, uh, the, you know, the genocide by starvation. And it's a story that was never told before. That's something like, uh, you know, uh, millions of people, like 70% uh, of... Uh, the indigenous people in Kazakhstan was eliminated by design uh, from, uh, you know, the, the Molodomor, Olodomor in, in Kazakhstan. Now, all, everyone knows about what happened in uh, uh, Ukraine, 
actually not enough, they know, but they know. But uh, what happened in the provinces of the empire, what happened in Kazakhstan was like completely, incredibly heartbreaking and was never told because they need, in Kazakhstan, they need to balance themselves between Russia and China and so on. And that's where uh, geopolitical uh, uh, background like I have, uh, it's it come into place when you try to understand not just like the filmmaker and so on, but in which situation they are, what they're doing, what they're facing, and where you as an individual can make like a teeny tiny, jiny, jiny speck of difference by, by, by trying to, you know, promote or support a filmmaker that they want to tell their story they're never told. And that is something that uh, happened in that way. So if that answer to your question and... Uh, at the moment, I am doing something similar somewhere else. But, but that's why, you know, festival, fest, yeah, festival are like uh, the life of the filmmaker or the independent filmmaker and uh, who you are with, and what you can do. Uh, it's what makes uh, this, this crazy job that we do uh, tolerable because there's certainly no money. I have two kids and they're brilliant and they are young and they want to and they are in the film business and me and my husband we try in any possible way to discourage them. You know, look at us, you know, we work all our life what we so but they also know the upside. They also know the incredible people that they come across. That today they meet someone from, you know, Ouagadougou and to the next day they are in Cannes with me or they are in Venice and it's like this this you know, and whatever, whoever they are is a lot has to do with the experience that they had. So it was almost inevitable, even if it was uh, not our desire. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, I, I understand that. My son is 14 and he's an actor. So I understand that uh, that uh, duality that we have to uh, play play with, that fine line. Um what are the what are the mistakes? What are the the top mistakes you see uh, filmmakers make in their films when you're reviewing them for film festivals? What are the top things that they do right that, in your viewpoint, that make them stand out um, above you know the group? Um, I noticed through my career that uh, the one that they actually make it are the one that they work really, really hard on the script. And they really craft uh, their unique voice that is going to be deployed then with, uh, you know, the visual. Uh, but it started with uh, a very, very solid script. And sometime and many times, because otherwise you lose the actor, otherwise you lose that, you know, little investment, otherwise this, otherwise that, you go in production when not all your duck are on a row. And that is what makes, uh, uh, you know, then the film uh, uh, flowed and so on. What I noticed that the people who win are really um, workaholic, crazy, busy, focusing only on that. They're almost all of the author that I found uh, being there successful and so on are people that uh, are extremely hardworking and uh, and they have something to say. You know, there's no like, let's make a film as a film. Yes, okay, great, you can do this, you can do a commercial, but it's not gonna be, you know, that who takes you to be a unique voice. And uh, what I notice also is the great courage to sacrifice a lot into into 
making the first film and making it uh, and make it at the best of the best that you can possibly and just like a really work on the character really work on a narration and then you know the visual of course you have to have the chop and you have to have uh, you know the visual sense to 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 bring it to life and it's always like uh, as a filmmaking is a choral experience and is like uh, it takes really a village is also the people you surround yourself that's also very, very important for the success. Each and all of the people that we mentioned had uh, their own, uh, you know, relation very strong with producer and, uh, and with writer, if they're not mostly are writer, director, the people that we're talking about. So, but they also have like uh, people who really stick with them and, 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 and want to, them to emerge. And the role of the producer is like incredible in that sense because... You know, it's a, such a, um, you know, long run, such a long, difficult, treacherous, uh, you know, uh, thing to, to be able to arrive to the first shooting day of the film. Anything happened before and, and, and even after that if you don't find people who really believe in you as a filmmaker that stick to you for thick and thin you are going not to make a good film because, you know, then you are, you know, on the chances of people who anyone has an opinion, you know, anyone can tell, you know, why you're doing this, you do that. No one, don't take this actor, take this other one. And that, that's the difference that uh, author have. They have always a group of support that goes with them. I noticed that. Of course, there are exceptions. There's always like that. But most of the time, it's what makes a big difference. Script hardworking and people around you. That's, that's great. Those are the three, I find three key factors that a lot of young filmmakers don't put enough effort into that script. They release it way too early. Um, let's talk a little bit about your, um, Malagrano films and your producing. You uh, produced Monica. How did that uh, come into play? It's a U.S.-Italy co-production. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Melograno film, by the way, Melograno is a pomegranate and is the symbol of my family. So, and it's also uh, the, mel the, the pomegranate is like a, for many, many culture is a symbol of... Uh, prosperity and uh, fruition, let's say, you know, something very positive from, from there. Um, and, you know, and fertility too, you know. So I, I, I took that concept, of, which was very simple for me to take because it's my family emblem, um, into the filmmaking because it's also giving birth, it's also be open to the unexpected and so on. So Melograno film, I, for, I formed like a few years back uh, when... Uh, you know, when consultancy, they brought me to say, okay, I really want to make a difference for someone that I really think that is special. And uh, um, my Melograno film is like very much also connected with Andrea Palauro, the director of, uh, writer, director of Monica. Um, I saw it short because I'm a, the other, another component of me, which is very important uh, to me, uh, is the fact that I'm Italian and I'm one of the Italian in Los Angeles and periodically since the last 25 years and some, anyone which is Italian, anyone who has a script about Italian, not, anyone, not anymore because now we are many, but at the very beginning it was like, okay, give it to Eleonora, let's Eleonora read the script and so on. So I had like piles and piles of script 
mostly the same story that someone inherits, uh, you know, a farmhouse or an olive grove or, or a villa in Italy and then goes there and finds love. They all, you know, I have like a, you know, a, a mountain up to here of those things. And so I'm just like, I try to do my best to help. I try to say that doesn't exist that someone in Italy leave, uh, an, you know, an olive grove or, or, or a vineyard like that to, to, to find million miles. It's just like every centimeter of land in Italy is owned by someone who knows exactly who was the great, great, great grandfather of the one owner. So, I mean, it's like, but anyway, so that's the American vision of whatever in Italy. And, and it could happen, of course, but not. So anyway, so another guy come and say, you know, a friend of mine who then became the Trentino Fin Commissioners region up north. So he's from Trento and you have some relation with that town because part of my life, uh, you know, was developed up in a Dolomite and in the mountain in the summer, blah, blah, blah. He's from Trento. So, oh, my God. Okay. Is that who, what did he inherit this guy? And then say, no, 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 it's very different. And he's here and he's doing, uh, um, you know, his master in visual art, Cal Art. I said, oh, okay. So uh, let's see. So he showed me his short and I was blown away. And I said, oh my God, you know, this guy, am I crazy or this guy is really, so, so I call immediately my friend, Alessandra Venezia, journalist, and I say, Alessandra, am I stupid or crazy or this guy is really extraordinary? And she said, and she called me up like an hour later, say, oh my God, Eleonora, who is this guy? Let's meet him. So I met him and I introduced him to Alessandra and that's where they started. That was like 15 years ago. And we, then I produced his first film, Medeas with Catalina Sandino Moreno, and, um, and went to uh, Orizzonti in Venezia, in Venice in Festival, and it was like a sensation. Is this guy really has a voice, really has a very, very, very important, wonderful inner world in himself, and he has such a sensibility to bring it on the screen. And so I produced his first film. I also developed and produced a second one, but I got screwed over by the rights, but this is a very old, this is a, it's, it's a very nice, uh, not nice story, but it happened a lot in the life of every producer, so it doesn't matter. And then so I produce, uh, how many times, you know, you, 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 you start, you do it, and then something happened, something happened, yeah. Uh, with Andrea, um, I, I love him, and I think he's really, really, really a, a super gifted person, and he came with this story, uh, Monica, which at the time was a different one, which is based on uh, a real friend of him, and she is uh, still existing. Uh, but and then uh, the script departed from, just take uh, the origin from a real friend of Andrea, and then it comes something very different. Uh, and, um, and it was um, seven years in the making, Monica, and, uh, and it took uh, all I got to get the money, and... Uh, one of the things that you do when you are a European uh, um, passport uh, is really count on what we do not have here in the United States. And that's why the life of independent producer here is a nightmare. Uh, because in Italy, as well in France and as well in everywhere in Europe, there is like a whole network of support with grants, with, uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, the tax credit. Anybody can go there and take, take the tax credit. But to have uh, government uh, funds like we managed to do with a producer, I, uh, you know, enlisted uh, a friend of mine, um, Marina Marzotto, in Italy. She has her own little company, and I asked her if she wanted to be 
our minority co-producer and together we went to the governative entity called MIBAC and so we could start it and you know it's just like the thing that in in America is really um, a very very difficult uh, job to to be able to produce independent film and not commercial one. I mean, if you do like a genre or or certain kind of film, you almost uh, and you have the right relation, then maybe you can count on having a budget in place, uh, having your financing in place. But if you are into the world of artistic uh, vision and uh, solitary voice of a really spectacularly beautiful artistic achievement, then you really are on your own, and, and it's hard. And so that's why the co-production. The co-production, um, I, I encourage everyone who come to me to really find a way to work in Europe, because if you have uh, a European nationality, uh, it's not just about a little money for development or for production. It's really a different world where you have support uh, uh, into finding a cell agent and you have support uh, and they can count, the cell agent can count on uh, having the government uh, to su- and the EU to support uh, also the distributor, the exhibitor and so on. So they are much more inclined to buy your film because they know they can count on uh, certain funds that are available to uh, European production to support the release of the film, to support the participation of festival, to even screen the film and bring the producer to this festival. It's a whole different world. And that's why I'm really considering very, very hard that shall I keep on living in, in the States or shall I really go back to Europe, maybe Italy or, or anywhere else, to, to seriously take, uh, you know, advantage of that. So I, I don't know. I'm mean, just like, uh, I love Los Angeles and, and the United States, and we shall see. You know, it, it's a huge problem here in the U.S. that they, they don't support the independent filmmakers whatsoever as it's done in Europe. And it's really a shame because one of the chief exports of the United States is media. And they don't really consider that valuable enough, even though it's hugely influential worldwide. So it is a huge problem that the U.S. government isn't supporting and really doing what the European governments are doing for independent filmmakers. So you have a very valid point. Um, um, You have another film, The Damning of a Country Merchant. can you talk to us about how you you put that together? Um, I actually joined a group of producer friends uh, that they asked me to you know to be the conduit of a co-production and produce together with them. And uh, I saw the work because the, I have a lot of these. Uh, you know, do you want to do this? But then I, I I spoke to Matthew Rosenberg and I find him extremely talented, extremely, you know, fresh voice. Again, he's someone who has a word of uh, imagery and a really a voice. And uh, the script is not uh, the, the kind of script that normally I get attracted to because it's uh, a Victorian um, horror film with supernatural elements. It's really not my normal thing. But I think that when you see the visual of Matthew, and you see he's a painter, he's a sculpturist, he's a musician, 
and you really see, you know, it's just like, uh, it's so fascinating and drawn you into this thing. And the script is, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really um, different. It's very attractive to me because of uh, what he had to say. It's like all about the sexual repression and this character being like blown away by the devil and so on. So I propose to, uh, for them, because the film is supposed to take place in Nebraska, some, you know, backwater in the United States, middle of nowhere, because it's a period piece, it's the beginning of the last century. And, uh, and I say, you know, I'm, I'm also represented for the, U, for the EU, uh, three country in their interest in film, in marketing and uh, uh, promotion, which are like uh, Estonia, Latvia and Finland. And I say, look, you know, nobody goes to Latvia and uh, you need to go and see because the, the time is, uh, you know, it's like a, back to, could be 100, 200 years, all the same. In addition to that, uh, that's the countryside. And in addition, there is a town called Riga, which is a jewel. I mean, it's like one of those unknown capital of the world. Then you go there and you see the most incredible liberty, the most beautiful art deco, and so on. And it's all like uh, totally unknown. And so there is, a, you know, so they, you know, I put together this uh, uh, recce with the director and the, the other producer. I didn't go back because I've been too many times. I don't need to know uh, and to see. But I organized that with the producer that I work with. Uh, and that is fantastic. He's also the head of uh, the production um, association in Latvia. And, uh, and they went there and they said, oh, my God, you were right. I mean, we, if we shoot here... It's like uh, we could be like uh, in, in Nebraska of 100 years ago, not now. And uh, it's just like very remote and very, and also add layer because their lore, their, you know, their imagination and their, you know, uh, tradition of, uh, you know, the Baba Yaga and the monster that they had intersect very well and create another layer in the film. In addition to that, Latvia has 40% of uh, cash rebate, tax credit actually, not a cash rebate. And so, and plus there is a city of Riga who can give us. So we are going to do that. And uh, we are currently looking for uh, investor for the rest of the film. The film is packaged by anonymous content. So it's a great group of people that I'm working with. And, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, their grandmother because they're all so young. I mean, Matthew and Eric and... <laughs> And Ruben, they're all so young and so full of, you know, energy. And it's just like, I love that. I love to work with uh, people a lot younger than me because although I'm still not uh, a cynical, dour person who's seen it all, done it all, I still have the energy and the, and the passion and, and get really excited about seeing. But it's different when you're 20 and it's just like that you think that everything is possible and you're going to be, you know, the one who makes the best film in the world. I mean, it's just beautiful. And also a super smart. I mean, let's not, you know, they're definitely not naive. Or, so that's how I come about. And uh, hopefully I will, be, I will be in Berlin to try to, you know, raise financing for that. And, and I also have like a really interesting project uh, with Melograno Film that uh, I helped to produce uh, a film of the first time filmmaker uh, in Namibia. And uh, for, for this film, we create ad hoc uh, the first, uh, you know, academy, um, you know, group in order to be able to compete. And she was selected the first time ever that an Abibian film was part of, that was last year Oscar. 
And, uh, and so I'm, because I'm producing her next project, which is called Omapando, and is uh, the story, again, is a story which uh, never was told before. And is a story of uh, uh, what happened when the German, uh, um, uh, they, they, they went in Namibia because they got kicked out from South Africa by the, by the Dutch and they conquered this territory and they proceed to kill, you know, as many as possible of Nama and Herero. And this story is very important to me. Uh, because it never was told before and for the filmmaker she came in contact with me because my other film I don't want to specialize in genocide <laughs> I just want to say that <laughs> but because of the other film <laughs> no thank you but I think it's very important to see the history what happened in uh, the colonialism the most brutal way and also was the the before you know the German they really trained themselves in what to do with people that they want to eliminate and they create, uh, you know, uh, you know, camp in, in, in a little island across the, the water in Namibia where they put all to die uh, the concentration camp of the Herero. They stole their land. They stole whatever they had in, in cattle. They killed them all. The remaining people now, um, as requested two years ago, and they, got agree uh, and they agreed for retribution, um, in Germany, for the first time ever, there is a retribution for a genocide uh, um, in, in, in Africa. And so this is very important because the story was developed in a way by my son, which is also a writer, and uh, he has like a, a deep knowledge of geopolitics uh, and as well as, a, you know, a magna cum laude degree in, in Ivy League, and he really studied that, you know, conflict and, and so, so, and was also a, a very good writer. And so he came with the idea of bringing this young woman in Germany who fight for the retribution because the retribution say, okay, I'll give you this money. And that, oh, thank you very much, you give this money. Give me back my land. Give me back the place where you are extracting gold and, 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 and diamond and, and emerald. This is the real retribution. It's not, you know, give to the government, which is already something. Let's not, you know, in other, in other countries, didn't this happen? But what they really want, the Herero and the Nama, is to get their land back, their, their heritage, their, the place is sacred to them. And this is very similar to the fight of uh, the indigenous uh, of, of the United States, the First Nation and the Native American. What they do in here is what they are trying to do in, uh, in Namibia. And it's very important to me. This is something I really, really, really care. And so that's why I got involved in that. And... Again, I want to be in Berlin and try to raise financing. It's got to be like either guilty money or someone that really wants to see this story coming forward. There's, there's other places. Like in America, there's no grant and so on, but there are places. Like, for instance, the Tribeca never told story. I want to bring it to them, and hopefully they will care. Um, but there are places like that in America. That's what I want to say to balance off a little bit. There are a lot of uh, these, uh, you know, uh, residency grants, a place where... A uh, place like, uh, you know, the Sundance Lab, the uh, South by Southwest. Uh, so there are things that the young filmmaker in America, they should do. And they should really apply for anything that they can in that direction. So, but, but you know, it's like a really um, disarmingly difficult for anybody who wants to put together this kind of story in the United States. That's without a question. Yeah, it's, it's extremely hard. Um, last question, where do you see yourself in the next five years? 
I still want to make a film or make a little bit, teeny time, maybe in my only imagination, uh, that they, they talk about story that I care, like Monica with the, uh, you know, Monica is a film about the family and dysfunctional family and finding your roots and go back to your roots and, and know who you are. And, uh, and is uh, you know, acted in a phenomenal way by Trace Lizette, which is a transgender woman. Uh, and is her story, um, and so that I think that is important today, particularly with what's going on with the Supreme Court and all the decision and all this myriad of horrible things that they happen in the United States. In you know, going back, uh, we went one step ahead, and now we're going three steps back. And it's important to tell this story, and it's important uh, to support women filmmaker, producer, women filmmaker. A story about uh, women, uh, transgender women, any kind of uh, you know um, story that you can bring to help out, uh, and to really show that uh, is not about uh, this; is about a human value of anyone um, as a story. Anyone is valuable. Anyone has to have the respect of who they are. And, and who, who they are is what they say who they are. And it's not for anybody to say. And, you know, and, and a team like uh, women issue, abortion and so on are extremely important for me. I, I've been, you know, like very committed in political term all my life. So, and on the social term. So, anyway, so that's what I want to be. Well, I want to be someone that in the next five years is able somehow to bring another, at least one story matter. That's, and maybe also get, you know, something out of it. Uh, if I got a lot out of the film business, I mean, I can absolutely not complain. It's been a fantastic life, um, but it's harder and harder because aging is something and uh, not to be one of the guys really, really important. And, uh, and to be a foreigner woman, it's really, it has been very hard for me. I, I, I don't deny that, you know, but here it's been very, very hard for me and it continued to be. And now on top of anything, I'm also, uh, you know, aging. I don't say old because I'm definitely not old. Uh, but, but, you know, it's like undeniable that, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. And we just have to keep championing for that and fighting against it and not allowing that obstacle to be an obstacle. Yeah. And support each other. And when I say support each other, I'm talking about us, not, uh, you know, of course, it's fantastic that all the big deal producer and the big, big deal actor, they, actress, they support themselves and they do kudos. It's important. It opens the way. But what about, uh, you know, the independent, super indie producer women who support us? If not us, if not us, that we want to say our story, we want to be able to put together our film. And we do have an audience. We do have an niche audience. We do make sense economically if we do it right. I want to thank you so much for coming on. I, I, I love that quest. I, I want to thank you so much for coming on Best in Fest um, and joining us today. Eleonora Granata Jenkson. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Best Invest. Best.